The Blur Havoc podcast may contain content some may find offensive, vulgar, or inappropriate for work or school. All views expressed on this show solely belong to the individual that expressed them. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Blur Havoc Podcast. I am your host, the well-armed, well-armored Alistair Haken. And I'm not joking either. I'm actually wearing body armor right now. And I've got my pistol on my hip. I got a Glock in between seasons. So, hey, seasonal upgrade, you feel me? Anyway, um, yeah, so, uh, today's, uh, first of all, first of all, um, today's Drink of choice. That's a regular thing we're doing, by the way. That's a new thing in season two. Today's drink of choice is a a zero sugar Minute Maid lemonade, which, let's be real, Minute Maid lemonade doesn't taste like actual lemonade. It tastes like lemon drink. If you you know, you know. Alright, so let's take a sip of that real quick. Oh yeah, that's bullshit. Anyway. Um, (laughs) so what I want to talk about today, uh, I want to talk about something interesting that happened during, so, okay, so let me give you a little bit of context right now, as of the recording of this, this audio, which is December 11th, 2021, Blur Havoc 3 is currently in the editing process, right? We're in the second round. My editor currently has the third draft of it, right? So, she gave me a very interesting note. It is the second to last note of the book. And, matter of fact, I can pull up the document real quick. Yo, where is it? Mother Hubbard? Where is this book at? Okay, so, I'm pulling it up now. I'm going to jump down to the epilogue here. Okay, I'm not going to tell you what the ending is, of course, but... Okay, so here's what my editor said to the ending of Blur Havoc 3. She says, this is a powerful, sad ending. I think it's interesting that, as this is the last book in the series, this is how it ends, with such sadness and hopelessness. I'm going to censor a little bit of what she's saying here, because it's spoilery. Um, she says, would you be interested in writing an alternate ending, something that left off with the idea that blankety blank might be able to find peace within blankety blank and hope for the rest of the future? Or are you set on the bleakness of your ending? Either way, it was a very powerful story. Which I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to give myself a sloppy J, you know, but amen. You know, she said it's powerful. You feel me? Your home, your homeboy wrote something a little powerful. You feel me? Anyway, um, but that begs the question of why exactly do we need a happy ending? Because here's the thing, um, with, with my books, with my stories, what I like to do is I like to take ideas from movies and video games that I felt like could have been done better. And what Blur Havoc 2 and 3 combined are 
is that they are what I believe the Amazing Spider-Man 2 should have been. That's a little bit of a spoiler as to what happens in Blur Havoc 2, by the way. But, yes, in essence, in okay, so I guess we're talking about the Amazing Spider-Man 2 at length today. But, one of the biggest disappointments with the Amazing Spider-Man 2 was how they handled Gwen Stacy's death. Spoilers, I guess, for, uh, what is it, like, by the time you're hearing this, man, you've watched No Way Home, dude. Like, you, dude, <laughs> you should know, okay? <laughs> with um, with The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Gwen Stacy's death was handled in such a way that I felt like they sh- they they didn't have the balls to follow, follow through with a bittersweet ending. Or with a, with a, a sour, not sour, but downer ending, you know? I get it, because, you know, kids, they gotta have Spider-Man, they gotta have the happy ending, but it would have been more powerful, and it would have showed they had balls by having a downer ending where Gwen dies, and you you cut, like, literally could have made the movie 10% better if they just cut the movie off where, with Peter staring at, at Gwen's, what is that thing called? Tombstone, right? Her grave. Just cut the movie, cut to black. Or fade to black as Peter is staring at Gwen's grave. That would have been so much more powerful. Of course, you know, it would have been a really jacked up way of ending the... I don't know why my dog's barking. That would have been a really jacked up way of ending the the, the Amazing Spider-Man storyline. But that would have been, you know, a far more powerful ending. Granted, it, if they got to do a third movie. Which is what the original game plan was. That they were going to get to do a, three, a third movie. But... Even without a third movie, that would have been powerful to just end the movie with Peter Parker going, I've lost the will to be Spider-Man because I failed to save the person that I love. You know? That would have been powerful. And I don't know what it, what, what it is about what it is about our culture where we have to have a happy ending in our in our stories. Because in reality, a lot of our endings aren't happy. A lot of endings aren't happy. A lot of people don't live happy lives. A lot of people don't get that happily ever after in a fairy tale. That's that's just art mirroring life. Just as life mirrors art. That's the truth of it. So, let's see. What's, an, what's another movie that had a pretty downer ending? Um, because what my editor was probably thinking was something more along the lines of Empire Strikes Back. Where Empire Strikes Back ends on a downer ending with Han Solo and Carbonite, Luke Skywalker realizing his dad is basically Space Hitler, gets his arm chopped off, and the Empire essentially wins in that movie. Like, it's, called, it's not called Empire Strikes Back for nothing, you feel me? But that's probably what she was looking for, is something like that ending where, yes, you know, the characters lose, but... There's still hope that they can they can win the day in the next movie. But the thing is, is that Blur Havoc 3 is the end of a trilogy. What next day? What day are they winning in the next book? There's no Blur Havoc 4. It's the end of a trilogy. Now, to be frank, um, when she was um, editing this, she was not aware that I was working on Bria Blur Havoc Commander, so she was not aware that I was working on extra content that would discuss what happens after that moment, but 
it begs the question, why exactly do we need to have a happy ending? You know? Like, let's be real for a second. Let's talk about Joker again. I don't think I've talked about Joker on this podcast, actually. I don't remember. But let's talk about Joker. That ending, even though it's portrayed as a happy ending, it's not a happy ending. Joker does not have a happy ending. Joker succumbed to the to the 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 dark side of his psyche saying kill these people and you will be recognized right because before he killed the people on the subway joker arthur was a nobody like literally a person with no name because arthur fleck wasn't even his real name spoilers for that movie i guess i don't know man y'all these movies are like two or more years old man y'all should know these movies dude but before joker killed those people on that subway he was a nobody effectively a nobody right but he saw through killing those three men on the subway that he could get recognized people started wearing masks of his face essentially the persona of the joker and in that moment he realized he mattered now so in the end he succumbs to that that savage need for attention the toxic the the toxic need to be wanted through these horrible things by any means necessary because he kills Mur- murray murray <laughs> he kills murray on live tv and it acts as a rallying cry for the rest of of gotham's protesters and they they basically raise him above the you know the ground where he was and onto a pedestal so while joke while arthur got what he wanted joker got what he wanted that doesn't mean that that was good that was a bad ending it was a downer ending but it was also powerful a very powerful ending i feel like the movie should have cut honestly on joker like standing on the car and dancing and stuff it should have cut like right there we didn't we didn't need the part of him being in the the psych ward and getting interviewed and all that we didn't need that but it 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 didn't take away it just added um i would have preferred it just end with joker standing on the car dancing in front of everybody it's like ah what a perfect image to end on but let's see what are some other downer ending movies i mean downer downer like actually downer endings not a bit of hope here a bit of hope there a fear a pyrrhic victory where yeah you lost a lot but you still won i'm thinking of like a movie that actually infinity war there we go (laughs) infinity war had a downer ending sans post-credit scene because before the post-credit scene there's literally no hope for going back and striking at thanos thanos just wins and that was that was that ending a little bit of behind the scenes that ending was the inspiration for the ending of blur havoc 2 i wanted blur havoc 2 to end just like that where you believe that okay so this is when this is when you know we can go we're gonna go after you know the bad guy after he won right no cut the credits and that was the experience of seeing that in real time on opening night was amazing the the visceral and loud reaction from the audience hearing them absolutely just in shock 
as the movie really had the balls to not only not only have Thanos win, but kill Spider-Man, Black Panther, uh, Falcon, Vision, Gamora, Loki, kill all these characters and keep them dead for an entire year. That requires balls, especially on the act of killing Spider-Man. That requires balls. They killed most. They killed all of the Guardians of the Galaxy except for Rocket. Serious balls for the Russos to do that. Yeah, they were gonna come back a year later. We knew that. We knew Spider-Man had another movie coming, but it was just the fact that, from a writing perspective, they had the balls to just end on a sour note, which is awesome. And um, I guess I spoiled it a little bit. That's how Blur Havoc 2 ends, on a pretty sour note. But it's more so in the vein of, like, I'd say Endgame. Maybe. Not really. Actually, I take it all back. <laughs> Blur Havoc 2's ending is, ni- is like neither of those. But the, the I'm going to... How do I put this? I'm going to fight for more downer endings in our in our stories. Something to have us think about, you know, what we just watched. Something to have, because the reason why you, you kind of want a downer ending is because it allows the audience to really go like, damn, I want to see what happens after that, right? It's like, damn, how are we going to recover from this? What's going to happen, you know? With The Amazing Spider-Man 2, where you get the ending where Peter goes back to being Spider-Man after Gwen Stacy's death, I feel like we needed more time for that to marinate. Like, we needed more time to feel the the time, like, feel the length at which Peter was not Spider-Man. And the city of New York falls into chaos. Because, if anything, that would have been the time to release the Sinister Six while Spider-Man was away. Which I think that's what they were going to do. They were going to do a Sinister Six movie after Amazing Spider-Man 2. Or TASM, as the fans call it. TASM 2. Um... But I, what I would have done, here's what I would have done. As a matter of fact, let's do a little bit of script doctoring for a few movies I feel like have really piss poor endings. Um, what I would have done is that for Tasm Two, I would have. What I would have done is that I would have cut. Or faded to black, after Peter like with Peter staring at Gwen's uh Gwen's grave, it just fades to black, right? And then it's a hard cut to rhino rampaging through the, the the city with harry osborne on the glider then you got um i don't know some other villain i guess i don't know because electro's quote unquote dead has at that moment but um you got harry osborne you got rhino you got um who else are they trying to do vulture you got uh, doc ock and they're rampaging through the city right and it shows that not only are you setting up the Sinister Six, you're also building your world in which Spider-Man has quit. This only strengthens your world in terms of a, from a writing perspective. Because New York will, as Electro said, New York will know a world without Spider-Man. And then on top of that, you're building up to your Sinister Six movie. So that's how I would have wrote it. Now, what's another example of a movie that had a bittersweet ending that I feel like could have been adjusted? Regardless of the rest of the movie, even if it was a movie I didn't like, right? 
like let's say let's say the last jedi let's go for that one because you know i i want to instead of just taking hot shits on the last jedi let's actually talk about how we could improve it from here on out okay so the last jedi the last jedi ends with the resistance right the resistance running away from the first order and luke played did like a hologram trick to trick kylo into thinking that he was actually there and stuff so this is actually gonna have to go back way further to fix the issues in the ending okay God, I don't even know how to fix this. Because the problem with the ending of The Last Jedi is that we don't know where you could go with this. Because, of course, we know that The Rise of Skywalker happens after that. I'm not sure what the time jump is between movies, but when you look at The Last Jedi, and if I didn't tell you, if you didn't know that there was an episode after that, you would be like, how the hell are they supposed to fight back? And in all honesty, the Rise of Skywalker doesn't even address this issue. Where it's just like, we're back to square freaking one. Where the Resistance is small, but still able to fight the Empire again. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, the First Order. I'm sorry, I, shit, I keep forgetting. The Final Order, right? It's the Resistance slash Rebellion versus the Final Order. And it's just like the Empire versus the Rebels again. It's like, how did we get... this? Is, this is, people, including Mahler, got on Ryan Johnson for moving the chess pieces in between The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, but nobody addressed the fact that J.J. Abrams moved the pieces just like Ryan Johnson did for The Rise of Skywalker. How exactly did the, the Resistance get more people to help them? What exactly did they do to amass more troops and restock their their assets and their their munitions and their weaponry and their troops how did they how did they rebuild after the the last jedi because remember at the end of the last jedi literally the entire resistance could fit on the millennium falcon so here's how i would fix the ending of the last jedi what i would do is that we'd have to go back a little bit further because remember there's the part where leia says or somebody says that, hey, uh, we put out the call, but nobody's responding, right? Which means people have given up on the resistance. So what I would do is I would take that out because that's bullshit, okay? That's nonsense. That people would just give, because remember in between, not in between, but in The Force Awakens, the First Order was a small splinter group. They weren't as big as the Empire in The Force Awakens. They were, they were smaller than the New Republic. And they essentially, uh, they essentially did a terrorist attack on the New Republic, blowing up a lot of their planets. I highly doubt the New Republic was just five planets, because the Old Republic with Coruscant, that wasn't just five planets. The, the, new, the Old Republic spanned hundreds of different planets. Hundreds of Republican planets, like, were spread across the galaxy. Like, you had the banking clan, the techno, the techno union were separatists, I'm sorry. But, um, uh, the, the weird, um, aliens that look like, uh, what's his name? Watso, I believe his name is, I forget right now. It's been a while. But, um, but you're telling me 
in the force awakens all five of those planets held the entirety of the of the republic no no that's bullshit that's nonsense so in the last jedi i would remove that line and instead i would replace it with we've got republic troops coming from deep space or something like that right like from far away basically and it's like they're not going to be here in time they're going to be through that door like soon and then Leia, like you can so that way you can still have that sense of hopelessness hopelessness without destroying the world building right so then when the rest of the resistance you know can the rest of the resistance on crate can fit onto that millennium falcon as soon as they get onto that millennium falcon the republic forces show up in the not necessarily in the atmosphere but in the system so they could take the millennium falcon out there meet up with the republic and next thing you know now instead of it being the final order versus the resistance in the rise of skywalker you have the final order versus the republic as it should have been the entire time so yeah and and in all honesty that doesn't even fix because there's nothing really wrong with the tone it's just more so the world building is all screwed up at the end of the last jedi (sighs) i don't even want to talk about all the good endings that just ended poorly like the rise of skywalker the follow-up has a horrible ending mortal kombat has a horrible ending i didn't even talk about oh my goodness that's that's irrelevant to this conversation right now but um and you also got weird aldridge aldridge whatever the word is aldridge endings like Zack snyder's justice league where that movie that four hour just train wreck does not seem to end it just doesn't end after steppenwolf dies it feels like it takes five years to end because then you got to tie up all the characters uh storylines you got flash with his dad Talking about, oh, I'm going to college or something like that. When in all honesty, Bruce Wayne should have just paid money to get his charges cleared or pay, pay for an attorney or something. Like, come on, man. You got Superman going back to his family. You got, uh, then you got um, Lex Luthor and, and Deathstroke and then and then the nightmare sequence and then Martian Manhunter showing up to show that he was beating his meat the entire time and not helping. But endings like that are, that's a different problem altogether. But Endings like that don't leave me hopeful for a future. They don't leave me feeling like it's bleak. It's just like, why are you showing me all this stuff is what I'm thinking. What is the point behind showing me all these bloops and bloops and random things? It leaves the ending feeling super tonally shafted, you know, where it's like, I don't know what what feeling you're trying to give me with this ending. Like, am I supposed to feel hopeful? Am I supposed to feel bleak? Am I supposed to feel sad? Happy? Excited? Hyped? What am I supposed to feel with this ending? Instead, you're shoving all these crazy things in my face. You know? Like, you're showing me things like, um, uh, Barry, you know, saying, I'm going to lawsuit school so I can free you and stuff. Which is supposed to be hopeful. Supposed to be the happy ending. Then you got weird stuff like the nightmare sequence. Or the night, literal nightmare, where it's supposed to be—I don't know what the object, objective was of that scene was. Then you got Martian Manhunter, who's supposed to be hopeful, but at the same time you get frustrated because it's like you were here the whole time and you didn't help. What the hell is wrong with you? 
right? And then you get feel you feel hopeful because oh, Clark Kent is back with Lois, and he's working with it. He's 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 working. He, I don't know if he's working with the Daily Bugle and the, the Snyder Cut, but um, you know, he's he's back amongst the living, and and everyone's happy now. And and Mama Clark, I mean Mama Kent, <laughs> Mama Clark. Oh God. Endings like that just frustrate me because they have no sense of purpose, right? And then when I mentioned Mortal Kombat. The, the issue with Mortal Kombat is that the ending kind of just happens, you know? Like, once you get into the third act, the movie just goes. It goes really fast. And then when Shang Tsung comes up and he talks about how you've defeated all his troops, it really sets in with you. It's like this feels super unearned, which we'll get, we'll do an entire episode on on things being unearned. That's another one I want to talk about. But the ending of Mortal Kombat comes across as unearned because all of the bad guys die way too easily, including Sub Zero. He dies way too easily, if you ask me. It feels like he doesn't put up a fight because here's some perspective in how I would do it because I'll bring up Blur Havoc 3. Is that the ending of Blur Havoc 3, um, we have an Alistair that is super trained up. He's like been, he's been spending months on end becoming a better fighter with new weapons on top of the fact that he's incredibly angry as in Alistair turns into the Doom guy when he's angry, right? Or rather the Doom Slayer to be more accurate. And he's fighting the main bad guy of Blur Havoc 3, Volana. And even with all his training, new equipment, and anger, Volana is still a tough nut to crack. But in Mortal Kombat, Melina dies like a chump. Natara, the lady with the bat, the bat wings, dies like a chump. Goro dies like a chump, which is a cardinal sin because that cheap bastard has killed me more times in Mortal Kombat 9 than any other character, second only to Shao fucking Khan himself. But let me calm down. Um, And then you got Reptile died like a chump like in the first act. I'm not even going to talk about that. Or the second act, rather. Um, And who else was there? Cabal. Why was he even in the movie? And then, of course, Kano. Like, he betrays the team. It's just... Ugh. It, all of the ending of that movie was unearned. Because... Oh, one last thing before we end this episode. Let me just check here. How long was Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat was 110 minutes. That's the same length as Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, if I'm not mistaken. Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. Yeah, it's about the same length. Resident Evil Raccoon City is 107 minutes, which also has an issue of having moments that feel unearned. Right? So it's almost as if uh, not having enough time can lead to um, having some things feel unearned. Hmm. A hypothesis that we will come to on another day. But that's all I got to say for today. Today was a little bit more scatterbrained. It was a little bit more scatterbrained and just kind of just shotgunning it, shooting all over the place with pellets. Um. But yeah, that's my take on having bad, you know, downer endings. Not bad endings, but downer endings. Sometimes it's okay to just have your character just lose. It's okay, because it's real. 
You don't always have to have a happy ending. That's real life, is that sometimes there aren't happy endings, man. And that's okay to write that into your story. But I'm going to finish this garbage lemonade, and um, I'm going to go spend my time doing something else. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I've got uh, a few more episodes coming up very soon. So thank you all for listening. I am Alistair Haken, and I will see you in the next episode. Oh, oh, Billy, that tastes like shit. to the Blur Havoc podcast. Purchase the Blur Havoc book series on Amazon Kindle or paperback today. 